Yeah, welcome to my podcast. Tonight I'm going to talk about the effects of basically with my experience on hormone therapy and being on cross-sex hormones for the past 28 months. And what I'm going to actually dive into on this is the fact that usually in order for people to get on hormone therapy and be on estrogen or estradiol, they have to be 18 years of age to start that. And generally, another thing is, a lot of false information that goes around about this, is that they are forcing kids to have surgeries under the age of 18, and that they're being forced to have puberty blockers at the age of eight. These theories are actually not true. First off, puberty blockers are usually not introduced to children until they reach middle school. And another thing is, is usually for kids to actually get trans care, they also have to have a parent or guardian sign an informed consent form that they have to read through and that their doctor or health care provider goes over with and has them read and make sure that they understand the risks, the side effects, and danger, dangers of it. And surgery is also an informed consent and usually under WPATH standards before you can actually get transitional surgeries, you have to be 18 plus years of age in order to do so. And you have to have a consistency with gender dysphoria. And generally, one of the things is about the surgeries is, is that you have to have at least about 90% of the hair removal done before you can even get put on the list for surgery and another thing is that people don't know or forget to mention is in order for female facial femoralization surgery you have to be on hormone therapy for a year and not only that for a good 60 days or so you also have to have a behavioral therapist and you got to meet with behavioral therapists at times so that they can just come up with some maybe like other diagnosis just besides gender dysphoria because gender dysphoria alone is not a mental health disorder it is a DSM-5 but there are other contributing factors that are mental health issues surrounding it like for example body dysmorphia that is one of them I suffer from people can actually have it to there's a part of their body they don't like like for example their genitals their chest their face various things and it is a DSM-5 and also to go with it anxiety disorders come from can come from having 
gender dysphoria along with feeling stigmatized. And one of the things that is also available with that when it comes to treating gender dysphoria is voice therapy, which there are places like where I go where you gotta have a referral from your doctor in order to do that. And another thing is, is that not everyone can have gender confirmation surgeries because here's another thing is once or twice a year while on hormone therapy, you have to actually go see your doctor or personal care provider and have them run a metabolic test that tests things like your heart rate, your blood pressure, your potassium level, your electrolytes and all that stuff, your sodium and some other things because another thing is with the hormones is everybody's body reacts differently to hormone therapy. There is some things I can tell you though from my own experience is in about a six month to a year period you will notice that you have thinner, finer hair growing in areas of the body. Your facial hair will thin out but it will not go away completely and that's the same thing and some other areas of the body. The only way it goes away completely is through electrolysis or laser hair removal. Electrolysis often costs more and takes more time. Instead of the 30 minute session, you do with an hour and a half session and electrolysis is usually recommended on clients who have blonde, gray, or red hair because laser usually cannot detect or see that type of hair follicles. It can see dark hair and things like that, like dark brown or black hair, but any white colored hair, it's not going to detect it and it's not going to see it. And not only that, usually your laser clinic or electrolysis hair removal place will let you know when you're done with hair removal. And usually once you get done with that, depending on your provider or where you go, your doctor will generally have it to get put on that list for the transitional surgeries. Now in a state like Colorado, where I'm from, there is a thing about this too, is if you are actually looking at getting transitional surgery and you're on Medicaid or Medicare, you are gonna have to get two signatures, one from your provider and one from a behavioral therapist in order to actually be on that list for transitional surgeries. And there's one way you can get electrolysis covered in the state one.
from, and that is a PO3 UC Health, and that is over a one-year waiting list. And there is a lot of myths when it comes to hormone therapy, and one of the ones I'm going to discuss is that you have a lot of rhetoric going on right now that make the claim that places like Purple Path Rainbow, like Rainbow's Path Foundation, is trying to force children or people under the age of 18 to get their genitals removed when they identify as being gay because Moms for Liberty, like I mentioned before, likes to link the two. There is a lot of right-wing attacks right now when it comes to transitional health care. Like there is red states in this country that are actually seeking to making it illegal for anyone to transition at any age. And they're wanting to actually arrest people and charge them with felonies for using a restroom that simply matches their gender identity, which is wrong and it's not right, but that is currently what is being pushed in the political realm at the moment. And another one I want to discuss is, is if you were on hormone therapy, after you've been on hormone therapy for six months or longer, you may not have enough of a sperm count, or you might have a stealth sperm count, where you may not be able to have kids or get a person pregnant. And not only that, your people on hormone therapy are usually less interested when it comes to sexual activities. And one of the things I also have an issue with is when places want to actually deny history or what other people's perspectives are like because a lot of people don't want to realize in society they're the ones that do that you can that there's also people that think oh gender is binary and it is not binary because for the last hundred over the last hundred years or so during the last century they have also discovered that there is also intersex people and those people are people who have an ambiguous genitalia and they'll usually have one extra X or extra Y when it comes to chromosomes because most people will have two but only 1.7% of the world's population identifies of have as actually has intersex conditions which is about the percentage of people that are born with red hair and another one is is that about one to two percent of the world's population 
identifies as transgender. And yes, I would actually like to see healthcare to continue to improve for people in my community because for years, if you identified as LGBTQ, you'd go to a doctor and they could refuse to give you service based on your sectional orientation or gender identity. Blue states like Colorado have full protections when it comes to health care or housing and then also full protections would be New Mexico, California, New Jersey, New York, and some other blue states. Now red states that don't have poor protections and basically use, still use the gay slash trans panic defense of places like Wyoming, Florida, Kansas, Tennessee, Texas, Kentucky, Nebraska, and a few others. And ones that are kind of like swing states that have protections but aren't full protections would be places like Arizona and a few other places. I, I did find a map on it the other day and it's actually kind of scary being a trans person during this time because you have one side out there that's actually trying to fight for our rights and once equality you have another side of the aisle that wants to basically eradicate our existence as it is like one of them on the daily wire several months ago talked about eradicating trans people was michael knowles he is one of the many on there that has actually talked about it. And then you also have people on the Daily Wire, like Matt Walsh, who want to go around and basically make fun of people who are trans. Like, for example, he made fun of Jazz Jennings when she was a minor with his book, Johnny the Walrus. And for a little while there, until a lot of complaints came out from LGBTQ advocates, his book was the top-selling LGBTQ book on Amazon, and later it got pulled from that because they, were, they discovered that it is an anti-LGBTQ hate book that hates trans people and that basically makes fun of our existence and then he also has a film that goes around saying what is a woman and he basically cuts it down all down to a person's genitalia when in fact that there are other things that actually have similar structures as far as the uh, MRI scans go and gray matter goes on when it comes to the human brain. You can also search up the transgender 
person's brain on a YouTube and kind of get a good idea of what some have actually found as far as bar graphs show. And another one is that some people don't realize is that people on the autism spectrum are four to six times more likely to have gender dysphoria or gender identity or disorder. And people like me have been even denied hormone therapy in some places because they think, oh, in order to actually do one of them, you have to cure the other. You can't cure autism. A person is born with that. And we have different levels of intelligence and understanding. And one thing some people fail to realize is that, yes, I have a good understanding for informed consent because when I went to school several years ago, back in 2015, I went to Heritage College and was studying human anatomy and physiology, and I discovered that we had to actually learn about liability, informed consent contracts, negligence, all sorts of things. And any time you have informed consent involved, that usually requires that a person is 18 and that they have to go see their doctor or have a parent or guardian. And when it's in the exercise realm, Say if they have diabetes or high blood pressure, they have to get a medical clearance or some other condition that goes on before they can exercise or be deemed towards safe for them to actually work out at the gym. Thing with hormone therapy is, is yes, there are risks that do, that are involved in it. Like another one is, is in minor, some cases, people can have blood, disc, blood clots. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And another one is, is under the hormone therapy. If you're taking spinal lactone, it is not only a testosterone blocker, but it is for people who have high blood pressure, and it is also a water pill that suppresses the testosterone and it is the only testosterone blocker in the United States that is actually FDA approved. And generally when they start people out on therapy, they're going to start them out at a low dose. For example, at 50 milligrams on the uh, spinal black tone and two milligrams on the estradiol and generally three to six months every three months during that first year of hormone therapy they're going to have to go see their doctor and have a metabolic test done to see where their levels are at and if they need to actually raise the amount of milligrams that they're giving their patient. Because like for me, for example, when it came to my six months checkup, they had to go from basically two 
milligrams to four milligrams on the blocker and then well for the uh, estrogen and then for the spironolactone they moved it up to 100 milligrams and the estrogen is uh, a pill that is estradiol which is, is basically can come in a dissolvable pill form pill that you take with liquids that's non-dissolvable or patches which is the least effective version or injections which people generally go into a doctor's office and have them do the injection just so that way they can actually have it done safely and that way they're not hitting a scent the wrong nerve or muscle or wrong tissue or something like that that can cause a serious complication and I think it was about my ninth month that first year they discovered that my testosterone blocker spironolactone was at the perfect level of a hundred milligrams but the only thing that wasn't meeting WPATH standards, which is World Professional, uh, it's basically one of the ones that World, the World Association for Professional Transitional Care actually monitors places and has certain standards in place that they have to follow. And WPATH basically found it during my ninth month that my estrogen level wasn't where they wanted it at. And I had to go up two milligrams on the estrogen pill and take six milligrams a day of that. And after the first year, they cut you down to once or twice a year visits to where you go back in every six to 12 months to visit with the doctor and they run this metabolic test again and they see how you're doing and if there is any type of things that are detected while you're on hormone therapy because there are some conditions out there certain forms of cancer where they cannot have people on hormone therapy like for example one of them is when is prostate cancer the prostate cancer hormone therapy they don't really recommend for that because sometimes hormone therapy can make that worse and cause more problems and another thing is is after a few years of being on hormones when somebody hits 40 plus years of age they have to go or older they have to go in for mammograms at times to check for breast cancer trans women are not as likely to get breast cancer assess gender women, but there is a one to two percent chance that they can develop breast cancer. And with all that being said, 
I think this is going to wrap up another night of a podcast edition. And anyways, if anyone feels like they're interested in listening to this or feel like passing around, feel free. And again, have a great night, everyone.